welcome to the unofficial UPAN podcast. My name is Paul Bautista and I'm your host for this episode. So this episode, we are going to be talking to Jin Kim, class of 2016. He was the chair of the Asian Pacific Student Coalition, as well as the recipient of the UPAN Senior Leadership Award for his year. Um, he also was involved in other things on campus, such as the ASM Undergraduate Advisory Board, the peer mentoring program, and and interestingly, the Super Smash Brothers Melee competitive scene on campus. Um, outside of Penn, he currently works in San Francisco at a, at Flexport. Um, and we not only talk about his time at Penn and time post-Penn, but also about the trials and tribulations of trying to appreciate good vinyl music, as well as how to find the perfect black t-shirt. Um, Jin's only a couple years out, but he has definitely wisdom beyond his age, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, this was one of the first uh, interviews I recorded. In fact, I think the first episode, I re- the interview I recorded um, around Thanksgiving of 2017, um, as you can tell by some of our discussions about movies that are coming out. Um, so apologies for any sound quality issues. I'm still working to figure those out. Um, but in the meantime, here's my conversation with Jin. Um, catch you on the flip side. So thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. It's Apollo. Um, nice to be here. Yeah. All right. So I guess let's just get into it. So why don't you tell me about uh, what your life like was um, before you came to Penn? So I understand you grew up in Texas um, with your twin brother and your mom. Yeah. Um, so why don't you you know go a little bit more into that? You know, uh, what was it like growing up? You know, in in that situation? Yeah. So I was actually born in Korea, and I lived in Korea in Seoul for the first four or five years of my life. Okay. And then my mom decided to get a PhD here in the U.S. So she moved me and my twin brother and her off to Bloomington, Indiana. And then we went to elementary school there. So we were in Indiana for a bit. She got her PhD. She got a professor job at the University of Houston. And then we moved off to Houston, Texas. And then my family has been there since. Uh, I went to middle school and high school in Houston. And you know, it was really great. Uh, I think I got really lucky in that. I think a lot of like my, my friends who are like 1.5 second generation Asian Americans have pretty like conservative or pretty like first generation like Asian immigrant parents who have values that contrast a lot with theirs. Uh, I think my brother and I were lucky in that we temperamentally from the get-go were like pretty, we got along really well with our moms. So like that kind of like intergenerational gap that like I think a lot of other Asian Americans see like didn't really happen that much with us. Uh, so I think we like kind of lucked out there. Okay, cool. Um, and what, that, just out of curiosity, what was your mom a PhD professor of? Oh yeah, so she got her PhD in instructional design, uh, which is, or instructional technology, not instructional, in, instructional technology, which is pretty much how to use like technology in classroom environments to facilitate learning. And now she does a little bit of that, and now she does a little bit of, um, of qualitative research. So pretty much just like how to conduct interviews, like how to like get, how to conduct research where the data isn't necessarily in like the form of like quantitative numbers or like quantitative data. Hey, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, uh, what's it like growing up as a twin? You know, you have yeah. your, your twin brother both. So what's, what's being the twin like? <laughs> Um, so I used to like be like a little snarky and answer this question with like, well, I don't really know what it's like to like grow up without a twin, so like I, I don't know. But I think like if I'm being more honest, um, I I think it's 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 really great. I think if my brother and I didn't get along so well, it would be a little bit more difficult. But we do get along super super well. We're like definitely each other's like best friends. And I think when you have that like relationship to start off with, you always have like someone to like you know talk to about school or like talking about like like music or like whatever your other like interests are and then you also have like someone to like always like you know hang out with like play tennis with or like play like video games with or whatever so that's been I've been like really fortunate to like have that like constant presence in my life uh, for as long as I can remember and I, I mean I see it continuing as well even if we're in like different countries or different like parts of the country so yeah it's been pretty great I would highly recommend <laughs> highly recommend yeah. getting a twin all right um, so I guess what uh, what kind of kid were you in high school I guess specifically you know were you like a nerd, or 
earlier. Zago, what, what time the kids are you? Oh, man. Um, I think um, I, I was definitely a bit of a, I was, I was definitely a little, little quieter than I think I was in college. Uh, I think in college I made a conscious effort trying to be a little more like sociable and a little bit more extroverted. But yeah, I was, like didn't really do anything exciting on like the weekends or like after school. I would just kind of come home, study, and then on weekends I would like go to debate tournaments, or, like, go to quiz bowl tournaments. And like quiz bowl was like the dorkiest activity you could do in high school, but like I loved it. it hey, so I, I did quiz bowl. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was so much fun. I loved it. So yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I was like a, yeah, kind of like a kind of like dork in high school, kind of a nerd. Um, yeah, pretty quiet. Okay, so I guess, you know, what were your aspirations as a kid, you know, now that you're here post-college, you know, how did the match up, like, what were you kind of envisioning you wanted to be when you were applying for, for colleges? Yeah, uh, I actually, like, really had no idea what I wanted to do after college when I was applying. I knew, like, enough of what my academic interests were to, like, focus my applications and my essays on, like, what I wanted to study at then. But I purposely left everything after that a little bit opaque in the application process, because I just, like, straight up didn't know. Like, I, like, cycled between, like, wanting to, like, go into academia, like, I wanted to be a pre-med for, like, half an hour. Uh, I wanted to, like, maybe go into, like, healthcare. So these are all, like, I don't know, I, I kind of, like, took freshman year, a little bit of sophomore year to kind of, like, bounce around between different majors. And, yeah, I guess I, I didn't really have it that figured out until, like, until, like, I guess pretty much senior year, yeah. Um, I was, like, about to be one of those people who just went into consulting because I didn't know what else to do, but that didn't work out, so. All right, cool. Um, all right, so I guess, you know, what drew you to apply at Penn? Or, or, or other, I guess, other people, but specifically Penn, like what drew you to Penn and ultimately led you to you to decide to accept your offer to come to Penn? Yeah, so I actually did early decisions, so it was a pretty easy easy choice for me. Okay. Yeah. So what led you, I guess, to decide to, to apply early decisions then? Yeah, uh, I, I actually did a summer program at Penn, because this is such a long time ago. I did a summer program at Penn junior year of high school where I was in a bioengineering program. Yeah, so I considered that too for a little bit. And like, I hated it. I was, I was awful at it. I like was super stressed out. I was like, engineering life is not for me. But I, the program was on Penn's campus. I like lived in the quad for a little bit. And I like got to like walk around campus and like explore a little bit of Philly. And I really, I really liked it. Uh, I really liked how Penn kind of combined like the, well, I imagine like a, in my head, like a college campus, a little bit separate from the rest of the city. Um, you know, like lots of trees, like lots of like, you know, old, historic looking buildings. I like how it kind of combined that with like access to Philly, with access to Center City, access to like West Philly. So, yeah, I think like that. And then like, I, I mean, obviously like the reputation, the academic reputation of Penn is like really, really great. And the fact that like, you know, it's it's so good at so many different things. I think that was also like really appealing to me too, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like, yeah, I feel like I can't really go wrong if I choose Penn, right? All right, fair enough. Um, all right, so let's, I guess, like shift over to your time at Penn. Yeah. So, um, you, what, remind me again, you graduated class 2016 from the college with what major? I was a PPE major, so philosophy, politics, economics. Okay, and what led you, I guess, to, to choose to study that over, you know, this, trying to figure it out, you know, what, what led you to settle on that? Yeah, so I, Cycled around between a bunch of different majors. I started off, I applied to Penn as an English major. I considered public societies, urban studies, poli sci. Um, I think those were the main ones that I considered. I ended up presenting on PPE because I felt like it was very interdisciplinary and it would give me like a very broad range of different subjects. Because like I couldn't design on one subject, why not just like pick the one with like three, right? And I also felt like it was like a little bit more like practical than like some of the other like liberal arts majors. Uh, it had a little bit more like applied, a little bit more applied to like the real world or like what I imagine like employers might want to see. So I think like the, I, so that's, that's like kind of the other reason why I picked it, right? Because like I felt like it would be a little bit more like practical than like a, something like, I don't know, like anthropology or like English might have been. So you ended up deciding on PPE. Yep. You know, what were some of your favorite classes, I guess, within your major that, that you took? Oh, man, within my major. Thought about it, the class, my class, very fun class. Oh, I took like, a, a biomedical ethics course, okay. which was like really like kind of like I just had like an ethics requirement that I needed to fulfill, and I decided like biomedical ethics would be like a little bit like a kind of like very specific like niche portion of ethics, but I didn't know anything about it. I decided to take it. It was really interesting actually. Like we like you know, pretty much debated like everything that you think you think you'd like debate in like a biomedical ethics class, like euthanasia and like abortion. Uh, and there's like pretty like well structured like arguments I think for for each side, and it was like kind of nice to see that. Okay. Um, so I like that course a lot. Hey, uh, nice. Uh, 
Um, and I guess, you know, what classes outside your major do you think were your favorites? Oh man, this is the, I have much, I have much better answers for yeah. these, because I feel like uh, I ended up, I think, enjoying some of the classes outside of my major a lot more. Um, so there's a couple that come to mind. One is, I, I took a, a cinema studies course on film festivals. That was spectacular. I, like, I took this, like, my junior year, I wish I had taken more cinema studies classes. Uh, that one was really good. Uh, Intro to Buddhism was like probably my favorite course at Penn. That was we we. I mean, Justin McDaniel is like a like a legendary professor at Penn, and he's just a, such an engaging lecturer. Man, just like impart life lessons into his lecture material, and you know, just make this subject like really interesting and like really like meaningful in a way that like very few other like professors or like topics I had at Penn like were. So I, I, that was that was my favorite class I took. Okay, uh, did you take a class about being a monk? Actually? Yeah. Oh, that was my, I, I forgot, yeah, yeah. So like what I did was, I was in a nonfiction creative writing class. And for the nonfiction creative writing class, pretty much the premise of the class is like, throughout the semester you have to like do something weird or like do something interesting and then write about it. Um, like, hence like nonfiction creative writing, like you creatively write about your own experiences. So for that one, I decided like Justin McDaniel, Professor Justin McDaniel had like a had, he has a course on like being a monk for a first semester, and I decided I couldn't really take that course, but I felt I could do like a abbreviated version of it. So that's what I did for the creative writing course. I like talked to like Professor McDaniel, I like particular like a ten day curriculum where I'd be like living as a monk, like I were in his class for ten days, and then just like wrote about that. Hey, what were your I guess takeaways from from that experience? Oh man, so. So for like 10 days, I like couldn't talk, I couldn't make eye contact, I couldn't use technology, like I couldn't make like physical contact with people. Um, I, I had to write in like a journal every half hour, like waking hours. I had to like wake up at like sunrise, go for like an hour walk uh, every morning, meditate for an hour before bed, stuff like that. And I don't know, it was like really, like, it, was, it, was, it was really, it was really fulfilling to like kind of put a complete stop on like my pen life, my young adult life in general, and then just like, live like in a very like simple like very um I guess low-key way for, for 10 days and just like be totally outside of the pen environment for for an extended period of time. It was really fulfilling actually to like get that kind of break and to um, you know not have to like interact with people, just have a lot of time to like think, a lot of time to like read, a lot of time to just like kind of write my thoughts in my journal. So that was, I, I really loved it. Um, I think it's, it's totally like something like I can see myself doing again in the future. Alright, cool. super cool. Um, and then were you involved in like a Asian American Studies yeah. program as well. Yeah, uh, so I was like, I was involved in the Asian American Studies uh, Undergraduate Advisory Board. Um, I don't think it was like one of my like largest commitments, but it was, it was definitely like, it was pretty consistent throughout my four years. Um, yeah, we, we were involved in that, and I was also involved in like uh, the Asian Pacific Student Coalition. That probably took up most of my time, and then the Peer Undergraduate Mentoring Program. I think those those three were probably like my most consistent commitments yeah, throughout that. Throughout Alright, cool. So why don't we, I guess, dive into it. So as yeah. in UAB, well, I guess, go, still sticking with the academic theme, what were some of your favorite experiences, yeah. classes, um, and just your, your thoughts over guys on the program overall in general? Yeah, so I like I, I love the program. So I graduated with a, a, a minor in English and also a minor, minor in Asian American Studies. And I, don't know, I thought like being able to talk about and think about some of these issues in a more academic context, some of the issues that like I was like living like day to day or like I, I was discussing with my friends or I was like involved in like extracurriculars about like seeing them like an academic lens was I think really helpful because it makes you like structure your thinking a lot more. It makes you like absorb knowledge and thoughts that you know like that that are that, that are structured in a very like specific way, in a very academic way. And I think I joined mostly I mostly joined the undergraduate board because like I wanted more exposure for the program. I wanted like more people to like take more admin classes and to join the board and to like get the minor uh, and yeah it was, I'm, I'm really glad I did it like some of my closest friends did it as well I think I got most of my close friends to take at least one ASM course at Penn uh, and yeah I, I mean I took I took six uh, to complete the minor and, and I, I loved my experience there. Of those six would I guess would you recommend for like a Penn student if they just had like a free class to take? Oh man um, so um, I guess um, ASM 001 I think the exact course title is like Asian American the Contemporary Society. I think that was the course. I took the first semester freshman year so it's been a while. But that's like a pretty good like everything I learned in that class came up at some point in my future ASM classes. So I think like it's having that one as like the 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 first one that I took to give you like a 
Yeah. It's like a foundation, like an overview of the of the Asian American studies field as a whole. Was I think I think very helpful. So I would recommend that one if you had to take one. And then like depending on which parts of that class interested you the, the most, you can like branch off into like Asian American history or like the Japanese American internment or like maybe like Asian American and pop culture. Uh, so yeah, I'll take out as a model one is I think the, the best one. Very, very cool. Um, so, uh, I guess your next major commitment you said you were involved with was with the Asian Pacific Student Coalition. Yep. Um, actually, I'm going to hop over the peer mentoring program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were actually, uh, I was a mentor the year you were a mentee. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, why don't we talk about that? Because I feel that in my experience with you, that was kind of what led you to get really involved in the Asian American community yeah. at campus. Yeah. So, why don't we hop in? Like, what got you first to apply for, for peer in the first place? And then just your thoughts on the program and your time in it as well for, yeah. as a mentee and eventually getting as an upperclassman. So my application, my decision to apply for that program was not like super well like thought out. I just didn't really know. I wanted to be involved in something on campus and I had never done like anything like Asian American related before. But I figured like, you know, I had like a lot of like, like most of my friends in high school were Asian. Like I, without being able to like really voice it, I knew that like growing up as like a 1.5 generation Asian American, you tend to have shared experiences with other like 1.5 second generation Asian American. So I was like, okay, at the very least, like we can talk about the shared experiences in this program. And at least at the very least, when I come into Penn, like I don't know anyone, like I'll have that. Uh, so yeah, I was just like, so I applied for the program, I like, I did the interviews, uh, and I, I, I really just like, I guess, fell in love with the peer community, like from the get-go. Like I thought like my mentor was like super, super helpful. Who's and, your like, mentor? Uh, Michelle, yeah, I'm actually seeing her for, for, um, for dinner today. I'm seeing her some, at some point today. Um, so yeah, so Michelle was like she 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 really did seem to like I think we didn't have anything like in common like academically. She was like a econ and an engineering double major, and she like ended up going to consulting, and then I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, so we never talked about academics, but we talked about like everything else. Like I think she was like really like it was really helpful to have like her. Who was like she was she was a junior she was a junior at that point. Uh, and she's older than me actually. Oh, she was a senior. Yeah. She was a senior. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, we overlapped with her for one year. Um, so yeah, it was really helpful to have her like as like I transitioned into Penn, like all like the things I, I would like, you know, like talk to her about all the things that I was like thinking about and like feeling, and she was like really good at like you know like, like you know like comforting me or just like being there for me like if I needed it for like personal stuff or like more like extracurricular stuff, um, and yeah, I, I ended up like really enjoying my time in the program, like really enjoying like having that kind of like mentor from the get go at Penn. So, alright, um, and then I guess you know then you said as you said you got involved in the Asian Pacific Student Coalition, so what led you, I guess, to get involved in APSC? I guess, aside from, you know, obviously being part of the peer program, which yeah. is in the broader APA community, what led you specifically to want to apply for APSC? Yeah, so I think um, well, I saw my mentor, Michelle, was chair um, when I was a freshman of the Asian Pacific Student Coalition, and I kind of saw her role, and I, I thought it, it seemed like really interesting. Like, I, I, I thought of APSC as, like, you have two roles, internal and external. Internal, where you're helping out the community as a whole, external where you're representing the community to outside groups and you know the, from the freshman year I knew that the community meant a lot to me and I wanted to like help it out or like I wanted to give back to the community any way I could and I thought the most direct way to do that is by joining APSC. Uh, it was a very, pretty visible role on campus. It was, you, you, they put a lot of time into it, a lot of effort into it, but I think like it was like a very like to me it was like the most direct way to like help the community as a whole. So that's kind of why I ran. All right, um, and I guess you know what were your I guess involvements on there, like from your first position yeah. up to eventually becoming chair. The freshman year, I ran for vice chair of finance, um, which I didn't get, thankfully, because later on I realized I would have been terrible at finance. Uh, sophomore year, I ran for vice chair of political affairs, and then I got that. And then junior year, I ran for chair, and I got that as well. So yeah, I went from political chair to chair. All right, and I guess what were your, I guess, you think your main contributions mm -hmm. during your tenure on board, I guess, and I guess, more broadly speaking, your lasting impact and legacy yeah. on APSC in general? I would like to say that, like, I think in terms of like maybe like individual like initiatives, um, I like try to put more of a focus on like a discussion on mental health. Like, obviously that was like pretty popular around campus at the time that I was in APSC. But I think like I, I try to like spotlight it more within the API community. Uh, I also think that like in terms of like individual impact, I, I like to think that like there's like. There's a couple of people who like weren't involved in the community, and then I like either like you know like be began talking to them, or like I like began like bringing them to like APSC events, and like I'd be like they they joined the community, they ended up like really enjoying their time in the community, they ended up getting something out of it. 
And I think that's like what ultimately like, that's the kind of impact I would like to have. I, I would like to like think that I have had in APSC is not like necessarily just like, I can point at like a list of like these initiatives, but I can just like, maybe just like, I've had like some sort of like measurable like impact on like individuals, right? Their individual individuals' experiences at Penn. Like they, if I could make them feel like more welcome, or if I could make them feel like more like comfortable about themselves and like their own like identity as an Asian American, that I think is like how I would measure success in my role. And I think like I by that me measurement, I think I, I like I like to think like I, I accomplish something. Very eloquent, and um, I guess you know, kind of in that same vein, you know, individual experiences. Well, I guess or some experiences or stories you might have from your time at Penn because in a way this podcast is almost kind of like a time capsule of yeah. like your experience at Penn yeah. that may or may not be recorded down anywhere and like you know yeah. like you won like the UPenn Senior Award and, yeah. and you, you'll be listed in panels annals for that but there are all these like day-to-day -day moments like what are some some memories of that for you from Penn that, that, that may or may not you know be recorded aside from this podcast I guess oh man um Jeez, there's so many. Um, this, this one or two, I guess. Uh, um, so I guess, I guess one of them I can highlight is... Um, um, so one of my like closest friends, Lawrence, um, he was the vice chair of finance when I was chair, and he, yeah, he became one of my closest friends through my latter half of like my time at Penn, and he ran for APSC kind of like after like I kind of like encouraged him to do so. He was looking for like stuff to do on campus, and I think he was just about he was like on the cusp of like you know like trying to join the APA community or like learn more about that side of himself. So I encouraged him to apply for like APSC, and I distinctly remember like the. The night before applications for APSC board were due, Lawrence and I were just like huddled in the the, the law library and in the like like this conference room or whatever, just like just working like grinding away on these on the applications and just like you know just like talking about like talking about the applications a little bit, like trying to make the midnight deadline that, that like whatever, whatever, but you know, just like realizing that like, you know, this this community is like Maybe like Lawrence wasn't too involved in it at the time, but I think it was very clear that like it was starting to mean something to him, and it already meant a lot to me. And you know, the process of, like writing this application for this role that was going to take up pretty much like almost like full-time job level like hours for the next year or so, and being able to just like sit there in that room with like one of my like he was definitely becoming like one of my closest friends then, and being able to like you know that moment right before we really just jumped into the API community and like really got something out of the API community that measure that, that kind of like when you're like you know like on a roller coaster and you're like at the top of the you like you're, you're at the very beginning you like, you climb up the hill climb up the hill and you're right at the top and you can see like the entire theme park below you and you're just you, 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 the drops about to come but you have this like one moment right before like you know everything just like just changes that's kind of like what I see that moment as with Lawrence and that's kind of like the, that's one of the moments the, the many moments I remember I guess um, from APSC that it's like a little bit difficult to like describe but it still means a lot to me like when I think about it yeah no totally fair um, super powerful I, I can I can definitely kind of appreciate that kind of turning point um, you said you know one of the main things you wanted to do with APSC was push for I guess mental wellness discussion yeah. in the API community I guess could you delve like a little bit more on that maybe you know maybe give context about what was happening at the yeah. time and right. what you maybe what outcomes you saw from the discussions you guys were trying to have yeah um, so like I was I was at Penn during like a four-year stretch when like a, we had a very like long string of like student, student suicides um, some were like public, obviously publicized a lot more than others but pretty consistently we were having like students committing suicide uh, yeah well, throughout all throughout my four years uh, and the administration obviously was making like significant pushes to um, to to do something about this, like giving giving resources or funding to to caps to different like organizations, like creating a task force. But I think on the student side, I think it's a uh, the, the 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 battle is a little bit different. The battle is just trying. I mean. The ultimate goal for like administration and students when they're combating this kind of issue is to create widespread cultural change, right? Because that's one of the things that I think would would, would really um, benefit Penn um, in regards to like uh, the stigma against mental health. And I think like 
I think that kind of widespread cultural change has to happen. It's, it's really difficult, first of all, but it has to happen from like multiple different points. Administration attacking it from like a more like funding and resources perspective, but I think the students are like attacking it from a more like interpersonal, like one-on-one -on -one perspective, right? Where we're like trying to check in more with like our individual friends, or like we're trying to like have more conversation about this kind of stuff. We're trying to like make sure that like everyone feels like okay discussing these things if they need to. And that's I think like what I try to do a little bit more with um, within like APSC. Um, like I realize that like you know sometimes like the position and the position on board require like you know like staying up super late to like finish off like APSC work or just like long meetings. Um, and I try to like be aware of that um, from my end when I was like leading the board and like um, making sure that like the individuals were like okay and that the individuals like were like never like too overwhelmed with like what they had to do. And I also think like in like a more like I guess official capacity in APSC like I um, I like started the um, or I was one of the one of the founders of like the unmasking the Ivy League like mental health conference that we had as well. Uh, I joined with a lot of like other like student leaders from around Penn and created like a like a conference where we invited the rest of the Ivy League to come and discuss like mental health on their campuses and like perspective solutions that we might be able to come to. So that was I think another thing that I did as well that um, that I found like super meaningful. All right, yeah. Uh, again, thank you, I guess, for your work with that. Um, I guess from being, you know, in touch with campus, you know, nowadays, I yeah. definitely culture has continued on. So thank you, I guess, for your work in that. Yeah. Um, something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, this isn't like an official club or anything, but you are also like a somewhat competitive Super Smash Brothers <laughs> player. Yeah. Um, and you represented Penn. So go go in a little bit. Like obviously, you mentioned earlier, you played video games with your, your yeah. twin Bo, um, and I guess that that's one of them. So just yeah. this whole experience, I guess. What what was that all like yeah. for you? Um, so yeah, I played this game called Super Smash Bros. Melee with my twin brother growing up. It's like a like a Nintendo fighting game, and when a Bo and I got like my brother and I got really into it growing up. We would just play this like pretty much just this game for like years on end. We would just like come home from school on like Friday and just like start playing this game, like playing on the weekends. And we got like we I wouldn't say we got like amazing. Like we didn't get like good enough to like turn professional, obviously. But like we got like we I think we got we got pretty good and. It got to the point where, like, I think in like high school, like we'd like go over to like our friends' houses and like play, and like we we would just like we 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 do really well. And so Bo and I like kind of realized like around like high school, maybe in like middle school, that like we were like pretty good at this game. Um, so I went to Penn. And I was like, oh, I'm sure there's like other people here to play, and people took it really seriously at Penn. Like people like brought their like TVs and like their setups, and they would like practice in the room for like hours. Like I didn't have like a controller at Penn. I would just like kind of like show up at these like gatherings and like play once in a while, like for like an hour or two. And then just like the, I guess like my the, the two the the, the the couple the two like main like moments I had in like the Super Smash Bros. quote unquote community at Penn was like one was like I entered like the Penn Apps tournament. There was like a Smash tournament at, at one of the Penn Apps. And I just like entered because it was on campus. I didn't to do that weekend. And like I, I ended up winning. I got an iPad, which was great. Uh, I still I don't use the iPad that much now because like I I don't really know what to use it for. But I still have that iPad. It's engraved on the back with like Super Smash Champ Penn Apps 10 and. So that was, that was fun. Like I, I, I had never entered a tournament before, but like it was, it was pretty cool to like win the first one. And the other thing I did was like there was this like intercollegiate network of yeah, like, the melee games. The melee games, yeah. The intercollegiate network of like different schools to play against other like schools. So I was like, hey, you know what? Like this sounds kind of fun. Like I'll like I'll like rep represent quote unquote Penn. And so I, th I did that. I think I played like in like two or three melee games. And I think we played against like oh god, um, like some school in like Western Pennsylvania, maybe against, oh, we played against Temple. Um, yeah, it was really fun actually. Like I, I think like, that crew battle part was kind of fun because like, you know, I think like Smash Gathering, all the pen kids are just like playing each other and they're just like like battling against each other. But like, when it's like a, you know, like a, like a pen versus like other school thing, you know, it's just like a, there's a lot more, there's a lot more like sense of community around that. And you just gotta like all like working together for the same goal of like proving that pen is the best at Smash. We were like not like amazing at Smash, but we were like, we we're fine. So. For context though, like one, like Jin, I think was power ranked like number two or something, like I, in the internal rankings. I, I was, I was, I think at one point I was number two. I think at one point, I was, and then I dropped down to like six because I just stopped playing. 
I know. I, all, I, I, I will say like that. Like I, I, I felt like I had a pretty good shot at least like like top three for like the entire time I was at Penn. But I like didn't like enter tournaments. I didn't have that much like. I didn't. I, I didn't. There, there wasn't that much data to like accurately rank me. So it's like, like I, I didn't care about it too much. But I think the, I think if I played more, there was a. I, I could have like seen myself like going for that number one spot. But yeah, I, I was power ranked. All right. Well, in 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 another life, I guess you know you're, another a, life. you're a professional Super Smash Bros. Yeah. player. <laughs> Um, yeah, alright, so I guess, you know, let's move, I guess, you know, past Penn a little yeah. bit. So you've graduated, um, and you move on to SF. Yeah. So you're now working for a company called Flexport. Yeah. Um, so why don't you go a little bit more into what they do, I guess. Yeah, so uh, Flexport is a freight forwarder, and most people, I think, don't know what freight forwarding is, so I just describe my company as we do logistics. To go a little bit more in-depth in into it, if you need to move a bunch of cargo from one point in the world to the other, like a shipping container of cargo, there's a lot of coordination and a lot of like communication, a lot of information that needs to be exchanged to make the transportation of that shipping container from point A to point B happen. Like on a high level, you have to like, you know, get the empty container to the supplier. The supplier has to load the container. The container has to be brought to port. It has to clear customs. It has to be put on a boat. The boat has to go across the ocean and then like get off at like whatever port, clear customs there, and then like deliver the container to like the warehouse. So the entire process is like pretty. Um, it's pretty complex and requires like a pretty decent level of like industry knowledge. So a freight forwarder is the party that manages all of that knowledge, that makes that that transportation from point A to point B happen. And that's what Flexport does. What makes Flexport different from like other freight forwarders is it's a tech startup as well. We have like a software that makes it really easy for our clients and our, our like I guess like operations um, workers to track and manage the hundreds of shipments, thousands of shipments that we're moving. So that's kind of like our like value add, um, and that's kind of like our competitive advantage is that we have like software that does this because for the most part the industry is still like working off like email and phone calls and fax machines as well. So um, yeah, so it's like a cross between a Silicon Valley startup and like a um, like a aging uh, logistics industry freight forwarder. All right, I mean that sounds you know way different I guess than what than what you your high school self imagined yourself. Yeah, it's to extremely be. different. I didn't know this industry existed at all. Until um, but I guess you're liking it. You know, you're, you're enjoying it. Yeah, uh, I think like the the fact that like I'm working for a company that so we grew like four x in both revenue and headcount since I joined like a year and a half ago. So being for being working for a company that's doing so like growing so quickly and like. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're like still getting like like larger and larger rounds of like funding from like VCs. Like we're we're opening up new offices. Like being in an environment that's changing so quickly and growing so quickly is really exciting. And it's also like a very like an opportunity for me to learn a lot very quickly. So I'm really glad. I feel really fortunate. This is my first job out of college. Um, I feel like I'm learning like a lot every day. And even if like most of that industry, most of that knowledge is like very very industry specific, but I think that's the fact that like I am like constantly challenging myself and like constantly growing along with this company is I think really really it's been really really valuable for me. Alright, super cool. Um, and obviously you know aside from you know your working life, there's other things you're interested yeah. in outside of work. So you know, I mean, before this interview we were talking, you know, you mentioned you were interested in like in art house films and vinyl and men's yeah. fashion. So I guess you know what. Let, let, first off, I I think I probably we need some help with like my fashion advice. <laughs> so I guess what would your advice uh -huh. to I guess any young men out there <laughs> for how they can better improve their wardrobe? Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple ways you can go about it. Um, Actually, I think, I think there's two ways you can go about it. One is like the kind of person who wants to dress well, but not necessarily be known as like fashionable or like edgy or trendy. And I think for those kinds of like those kinds of guys, it's like really easy to find stuff for like uh, or like recommend stuff for them to buy. Like you just buy like I don't know like a like a button-down collar dress shirt, like a nice fitting pair of jeans, like maybe some like you know like nice like leather boots. Like I would say like you know like 90, 95 percent of the guys who like just want to like dress like a little bit better than average it's like super super easy like the average standard for like guys dress like guys fashion is like pretty pretty low it's getting it's getting better but it's still pretty low um, so I think it's really easy to like recommend that kind of stuff to guys like just go to, like Uniqlo like pick out like a bunch of like basics um, J Crew works too Banana Republic works too just pick out like white light blue dress shirts and then like dark jeans that fit well and like yeah like nice nice boots 
or like nice sneakers, and like you're you're pretty much better than like 75% of the population just based off of that. The other way I think, which is a little bit harder, is like people who want to look a little bit like who have like a certain aesthetic in mind that they want to go for, right? They want to look like a like a rock star. They want to look like I don't know, like a like a high piece like streetwear aficionado. They want to look like their favorite rapper, like whatever, whatever. That's a little bit trickier, and that's a little bit more expensive, and that's kind of the rabbit hole that I am currently going down. So how do you, how do you describe your style? I right guess. now, my style, I feel like um. I feel like it's a little bit, it's, it's crossing between like a little bit like edgy like streetwear, like I'm wearing like Yeezys right now, which I'm usually not wearing, but like um, like edgy, like a little bit more like, like I'm, I'm on the border I think between like streetwear transitioning more into like a little bit more like higher high fashion, where it's like a, you know, a lot of like a lot of black, a lot of like in, more interesting like cuts, um, something like, like normal people would be like, well that looks like, that, that looks a little bit out there, but like still like kind of like kind of cool. Um, yeah, I'm like I, I think I've long ago like let go of the fear of like looking like a little bit out there. Um, this is like pretty like I'm wearing like a button down shirt right now and like like skinny black jeans. Like, yeah, this is like pretty standard, but like um, I don't know, like I like I like sweaters with like interesting like prints or like um, like I don't know like um, like super like baggy sweaters or like jackets or like it, jackets with like interesting prints. Um, anyway, like yeah, I'm, I'm like kind of like down the rabbit hole where I'm just like trying to cross a little bit more into like. A very like carefully like curated like I wouldn't say like maybe like if I had to describe it, it would be like minimalist with like at least one or two like pieces of clothing or like that that, like, that, 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 that are a little bit more out there yeah that kind of scream out basically uh, yeah little, like minimalist with like zero to two like zero to one like statement pieces okay. somewhere in my outfit that'll be cool if what, I could get there what's your I guess you know your your dream outfit at the moment right? oh like, man. Um, <laughs> Um, if there is a thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I can like point out one in particular. Um, I have been, I mean, I, I have been looking for like a perfect black T-shirt for a while, and I think like there's a there's a perfect black T-shirt. There, there has to be. Yeah, I just don't more know than what. just like a I like I'm wearing like a, like a heat tech shirt, oh, yeah, yeah, Uniqlo, yeah. but more than just like that. yeah. Like I I think like even in the realm of T-shirts, like this is the rabbit hole I'm talking about. Like once you like start finding out about this kind of stuff, like you can just go forever down it. Where like you know like you have the, you have the fabric, you have like how heavy it is, you have like how it's cut, um, you have like any like interesting like designs, like how like the seams are like how how the seams are like done, or like how it's like cut at like hemmed at the bottom. Um, so far I haven't found this like perfect black T-shirt. And I feel like if I once I do find it, I'll probably have to pay, pay like way more than I should for a black T-shirt to find it. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I think I'm, like, I'm I'm pretty happy with like where my wardrobe is right now. I'm like finally at a place where like I'm I feel like I have enough clothes. I don't feel like I need to buy like that much more. Alright, nice. Um, and again, in your many eclectic interests, you also understand vinyl. So yeah. Um, first off, what got you, I guess, into 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 listening to vinyl? I guess. Um, so my brother actually got a vinyl player before I did, and he. He doesn't really do it now, but he he just like got a couple of vinyls, and I thought it was like, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool to like own your favorite albums on vinyl. But um, once I started getting into it, and the reason I got into it is because one of my close friends like got me a vinyl player, for, like record player for my birthday. Uh, and then I just, I mean, after that, I, I had to start buying vinyls. Uh, I can't just like let the record player like sit there. And I think the reason like I enjoy it now is um, like. One is like the, I just like the, like music has a lot of like emotional, I have a lot of emotional attachment to music. So it's really just like cool owning like a physical copy of like your favorite album um, or your favorite albums. And having like the, the artwork in like a giant, like, you know, like, you know, 12 inch by 12 inch, like, like sleeve. And being able to like own like a physical copy of your music when it's like these days it's so easy to just go on Spotify or like YouTube and just like just come up with like a like an online like stream of a song. Uh, and there's something to be said about loving music to the point where you would buy a physical copy of it to listen to it when you really don't need to. So there's that. And I also just kind of like the kind of the, the, the very like nostalgic ritual of like taking a vinyl out of its sleeve and then like gently putting it down on a turntable and then like dropping the needle down. I think the fact that you've had to put a little bit more effort to like listen to it makes it I think a little bit more meaningful and makes it a little bit more of like an event versus just like you're just like finding music on Spotify or like YouTube. It's like finding a greater appreciation. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it, it reminds me of like what we were talking about earlier with your monk, with your monk experience. Mm -hmm. Just kind of being in the moment and enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and like, 
I think like I have people, I have like friends who are just like a hundred percent like don't understand like vinyl at all. And I think from like a financial and like convenience perspective, it's like a pretty, it's pretty indefensible, right? It's not financially like, like it's it's obviously it costs a lot of money to like, get into vinyl. It's obviously not convenient to get into vinyl because it takes up a lot of space. They break easily, like they bend, they scratch, whatever. Um, but I don't really do it for that. I do it for like it's for, like the, the the emotional attachment, and that's why I think like that's the kind of way I like frame my interest in vinyl. Okay, cool. Um, I guess what? How big is your collection? I guess oh, man. I counted like the other day because um, someone asked me. It was like I think like 50 albums or 50, yeah, 50 like I guess 50 records. Okay, what's um, your what's your favorite and, and uh, what's your favorite album? Uh, and I guess also what's your go-to album to oh, like man. to like to show somebody? Yeah, so favorite album of all time is Arcade Fire's Funeral, their first album. Definitely the one that like got me into like indie rock, which is the thing that my my favorite genre right now. Um, right now, my go-to album is Sleep. Well, Beast by the National. It's the, the National is like an indie rock band from um, from Brooklyn, and they have the string of like six albums over the last like decade or so, and they're just all like really consistently amazing. And they're my favorite band right now. And their new album is like just as good uh, as their the previous ones, and it's still pretty new, so I'm still not like tired of it or anything yet. So I still I listen to that one like pretty frequently. All right. Well, if anyone's looking to get Jin good Christmas present, send them a couple of vinyls. Oh yes, yes, please. I'm always accepting new vinyls in my collection. Alright, um, cool. And I guess kind of like the last thing, I guess I mentioned the art house film. So, yeah. you know, what what <laughs> got you into like looking, watching watching art house films and mm-hmm. yeah, what got you into watching art house? I, I feel like, uh, like, honestly, like my interest in like in indie music and then my interest in fashion, I think like those tend to intersect with like interests in like art or like interest in like literature or interest in like in different types of like films. So I think just by kind of like, you know, talking the people who are into the, the kind of music I listen to, like eventually, like our our discussions will like go towards like movies um, or like TV shows or like whatever different other kinds of art. And I think like art house films is like a pretty natural extension of that. Um, I don't really remember how I got into it actually, um, or but it helps now that like I live like down the street from like a indie movie theater in oh, San Francisco, one? the Roxy. Okay. Yeah, and they show like it's crazy. They show like all these like tiny like art house films, and they also show like thirty. Five millimeter screenings of like different like classic like anime films. So I've seen like so I saw um, I saw Ghost in the Shell there. Yeah, the original. Yeah, yeah the original. Of course, yeah, <laughs> of course the original. And uh, and I saw like um, a bunch of like old Miyazaki movies. Um, yeah. So like I think like that having that in this app is like super nice. Okay. Um, you know, uh, kind of along the same line. What are some recent films I guess that you you've enjoyed? Oh um, man, recent films that I've enjoyed. Hmm. I mean, obviously, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. Um, so yeah, I, I so I like that one a lot. I like the original Blade Runner a lot. I also saw it in IMAX, which I think helped. Um, it was just a crazy like visual experience. And that's probably the best movie I've seen in theaters recently that I've really enjoyed. Um, let's see, what are the what are like some like more like indie indie films I've seen recently? Um, I guess Ghost in the Shell. I, I mean, I'm obviously super late to the trend because this came out like I guess decades ago at this point, right? But I really enjoyed that one. I mean, it's very similar. I like two, like 2049. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh yeah, maybe there's a trend. <laughs> and what else? What else have I seen recently? Um, oh, I really like, like, I mean, like, I, I have like a soft spot for like really well done like action movies as well, okay. like summer blockbusters. I really liked Wonder Woman and Spider-Man: Homecoming. Like, I think those are, like two, like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't see that many like, like, I guess like comic book superhero like action movies, but like those two were like really well done. I thought. Okay, I really. My, me personally, I really enjoyed the new Thor movie that just came out. Actually. Oh, I, yeah, it's on my list. It's people, super, super people hilarious. People have rave reviews about this yeah. movie. Yeah, people are saying it's amazing. But yeah, and for the context of anyone listening, Justice League comes out this Friday, I guess. Oh, it's coming out this that soon? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Um, so That's crazy. Maybe you might see it over Thanksgiving break. Who knows? Yeah, wow. Oh man. I'm, I'm excited for that one too. I'll, right. I'll go watch that one too. All right, tell me, tell me how it is afterwards. Yeah. All right, and so, so kind of I guess wrapping this all up, you know, yeah. how do you think your pen experience kind of has influenced, you know, your life since graduating in general? Aside from you know the network of you know friends and so on, who, yeah. who, you can, who you've kept in touch with, but how else has it how, how else has the pen experience helped you? Um, I think overall my pen experience has really taught me about the importance of making sure that the people around you feel welcome and making sure that the people around you 
feel like they belong and making sure that the people around you feel like they're part of a community. Uh, I think these are like more like less tangible like emotions and feelings that end up being really I think important when you're graduating from Penn and going off into like young adult life. Um, you know the pace of your social life changes. You go from seeing friends like once a week to like once a year. They move. They live across the country. And I think like being able to like constantly prioritize like people's like emotional well-being and whether people feel like they are um, a part of something larger than themselves. I think it's really important that like you that 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 that, that you that I try. I, I really try to help keep that in mind with like my interactions with like my friends or even like people I don't know like super well. Um, so I think that is it is really important. Um, and I think like, people people like feeling like they're a part of something larger than themselves, right? It's a, it's 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 a, it's a really nice feeling to kind of lose yourself in something like that. Maybe losing yourself isn't the best way to phrase it, but like to feel like to feel that way. And that's something something that Penn taught me a lot about. And I think that's something I'm trying to carry over into like my post Penn life as well. And keeping prioritizing that feeling for myself and for others. Okay, cool. And you know, where do you hope you know, obviously you just graduated a couple years ago yeah. and there's a long road ahead of you. Yeah. Where do you hope to see, I guess, this road take you if mm -hmm. you if you had a choice, I guess? Man. I think eventually I'd want to go back to school in some aspect. Um, I think like I, I miss school more than I thought I would, uh, or certain parts of school more than I thought I would. So I think like some sort of grad school, maybe like a I don't know whether it be like a just a master's or like an MBA, maybe even like a PhD program. Um, I like recently been toying with the idea of like looking into organizational behavior. I think that kind of stuff like feeds in pretty well with like my interests and like what I think I would want to pursue later on. So who knows? Like maybe like I don't I don't know like I think maybe like five years down the line I'd want to have some sort of like either have graduated from grad school or like have like some sort of concrete plan to do so uh, beyond that it's yeah way too early to tell like ask me again in five years and I'll have a better answer <laughs> I mean you know it's it worked out so far for you that you don't really know yeah. where you're going it's worked out so far so yeah. why things, why tend, things generally tend to work out I, I try to tell people like who are still at Penn who are like stressed out about things like even if you don't know it night right now things, things generally tend to work out in one way or another and um, I mean, it doesn't always make the situation that you're in in the present any easier, but it's comforting to know that, like, yeah, for the most part, things things will end up working out. In the worst case, you can always just become a professional Super Smash Brothers player. Yes, yes. I would not recommend that career path, but it is possible. Very, very, very low barrier to entry. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so now let's kind of, you know, just to wrap up the interview, go through a quick couple of lightning round questions I'm going to be asking everyone on this podcast. Yeah. So, um, what's something that's making you happy right now? Something that's really making me happy right now, like, honestly, like, I... I keep, I think it's just the fact that right now I'm living in San Francisco with my twin brother. Like our paths are gonna diverge again at some point in the near future, I think. But for right now, like it's really nice to like, be able to like be back together with him. So probably that. All right, cool. Um, there were two kinds of Penn alumni. Okay. Um, I think the two kinds of Penn alumni are the people who are able to a very easily generalized groups of people at Penn into certain like groups, and then people like me who like really, really, really struggle when asked these kinds of questions. All right, fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, what's the what's you know the thing you wish you did at Penn that you hadn't done? Um, I wish I had explored different subjects, academic subjects more. I wish I had taken more than one art history course. I wish I had taken more than zero anthropology courses. I wish I had taken like a so more sociology course. And obviously, like a lot of people at Penn, I think feel this way. Where there's so many different subjects they could like taking classes, and like they only end up taking it in a few. That's something I wish I would have done. I would, I wish I would have taken, or like more cinema studies, more English, like whatever. So many different subjects I would have liked to pursue that I just didn't have the time to. Yeah, totally feel the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, who is your biggest role model? I would like definitely my mom. Like I think like she's balanced. She's managed to balance like caring about others while also like caring about herself and like her individual success. She manages the balance off both really, really well. Like I think it's really easy to like fall into a trap where you care too much about others and you forget to care for yourself, and you care too much about yourself and you forget to care about others. And she's for my entire life, I've been really fortunate where she's amazing at both. Uh, and that's the kind of like I think role I want to step myself. I want to see myself stepping into like right now and in the future as well. All right, shout out to Mama Kim. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so what's uh, advice you would have for your high school senior self yeah. about to come about to go to Penn? Oh man. Um, I think 
it takes time to figure things out, and like, you should just like you 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 can you should take as much time as you need to figure things out, and you shouldn't let any like the pressures that pen dictate when you have answers by. Like, it's totally fine if you don't know, and that's like the advice I would give about pretty much the entire aspect of the pen experience. All right, fair enough. And final question: yeah. What's a question that you want me to ask you that I forgot to ask? I think like maybe very similar to the one you just asked. I think any advice for, like people currently at Penn. Uh, and I think like the one piece of advice I would want to give is um, I think it's both okay to care too much about something. It's also like okay if you feel like you don't care enough about something that everybody else is caring about. Uh, I think like at some point you just kind of have it's it takes a lot of effort to care about something that you don't naturally care about, and it's sometimes taxing if you don't care about something that you feel like you should. And I think most things at Penn, if you know like like extracurricular, social, academic pressures, like it's easy to yeah it's 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 easy to feel like you're not caring enough or you're caring too much. And I think like it's nice. I think you should. It's, it's okay to just take a step back and just like let yourself care about what you want to care about and let yourself like think about what you want to think about and just follow like I guess yourself and what you want to do versus what everybody else around you is telling you to do and I think that's totally 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 fine all right fair enough and wise words from a wise man <laughs> so you know that's I guess the end of the interview um, before we go is there anyone you want to give a shout out to oh man okay so yeah, God, it's been because I, I I don't think too much. I don't like I guess talk too much about my pen experience these days because like it's it, I, I'm like a year out and like not that many many of my close friends are like from Penn. Yeah. But yeah, now that I'm doing this, um, I want to give a shout out to like to to Lawrence. Um, Lawrence was like for, Lawrence for like you know being such a like stable presence in the, like the last half of my pen career after I met you um, in the API community um, and for just like being through all of it with me. Like Michelle for always like being such a like great like mentor and like a guiding voice throughout my time at Penn. Um, I think obviously like my twin brother Bo, like even when like everything at Penn like sucked and even when uh, and I, whenever I needed like some sort of like escape from that, he was always there to provide that. Obviously like my mom um, for you know letting me like all the get get all the way here in the first place. Like everything I know is because of her. What else? Um, yeah, I think for the context of this podcast, um, yeah, I think that, I think that, I think. Oh, shout out to uh, also like like Patch, um, Patch for always like feeling like a, I had a home at Penn, even when I was like fifteen hundred miles away from like my actual house. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, I'm sure they all appreciate it. They all appreciate you as well. So, final question: Where can people find you or reach out to you online if they want to get in touch? Oh man, um, so I can be reached at my. You can just email me. I'm not great at checking my personal email, but I will respond. Uh, it's K Jin Sung, K J I N S U N G at gmail.com. Also, just find me on Facebook. I'm Jin Kim. Yeah, if you're from Penn, we probably have like at least like a couple mutual friends. So you can just find me on Facebook. Um, I guess you could also find me on LinkedIn too. Uh, I'm the one who works with Flexport who graduated from Penn. <laughs> I, think that's, I don't I don't know what you do like Twitter or Instagram or anything else. So yeah, I think like yeah, email, Facebook, LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jen, for agreeing to interview for this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for like setting this up, Paulo. Ah, no problem. It was you know great to catch up and, and be able to talk to you. And yeah, you know, hopefully, I can't wait to see where you go from here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again to our guests once again for coming on the show to share their story and wisdom. And I also want to thank you for giving this show a listen. Uh, contact information for our guests can be found in our show notes at upanpodcast.podbean.com. Our music is provided by Fortissimo. Be sure to check them out on SoundCloud and Facebook. Editing and production was provided by Ninja Boy Media. Special thanks to the Pan-Asian American Community House and Alumni Relations. A quick reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of those appearing on this podcast alone and do not reflect those of the University of Pennsylvania. If you have any questions or feedback, or if you think that you or another alum you know might be good to be interviewed for this podcast, please reach out at upanpodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Bautista, signing off. Remember, keep it funky. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.